struggle with warts? Now, kind of a strange question. Maybe you're thinking gross. Uh, but sometimes in life, maybe you have to deal with warts, and they're kind of gross, nasty, disgusting, but you have to deal with them. And if any of you are, then my prayer is that they go away. Any medications that you're using, it works, and you, have, you can be free from those things. But I also have a tip for you. Duct tape. Yes, it really does fix everything, right? Yes, duct tape. According to the Farmer's Almanac, which has been around since 1818, so they probably know a thing or two about living life, you can put duct tape on your warts and leave it on there for three days. Peel it off and and rub the area with a, a pumice stone, rub it off. And then if you need to repeat, you can put some more duct tape on there. Um, but it'll take care of those warts because the duct tape will suffocate the, the virus that causes warts. Maybe you don't deal with warts. Maybe it's yellow stained teeth that are a problem for you. Well, you can smash up a strawberry and mix that with some baking soda. And then put that on your teeth and let it sit there for about five minutes And make sure you wash it off afterwards and brush your teeth because there's sugar in the strawberries too. But that will help to whiten your teeth. Joint pain. Uh, Golden raisins. Soak those in gin overnight and eat 10 of them a day. And that is proven to help with joint pain. If you got some itches from fire ants or mosquitoes, maybe your leg's all itchy from that, you need potatoes. And take a peeled potato and grate it and take all the shreds of the potato, wrap them in a thin cloth and put a rubber band around it and then stick that on the area that's itching on your skin and hold it there until the potato completely dries out. And you take it off and wipe, the, wipe it with some soap and water and then reapply with some fresh grated potato if you need to until the itching goes away. Uh, smelly feet. Spray some vodka in your shoes. Take care of that. Um, You have hair loss. Stinging nettle tea is proven to invigorate hair growth. And poison ivy? Banana peel. Just rub it right on there. Or you can shine your shoes with it. And whatever kind of ailments that you might have, there are all sorts of home remedies that are out there that you can try. And And some of them, they seem pretty strange, maybe bizarre, and maybe a little bit weird. Would you try them? Or do you doubt their efficacy? Do you doubt the power that they have to actually provide a solution, to be a remedy for your ailment? I wonder if God's people had any doubts when it came to the Passover. That's a section of history that we take a look at this morning that we're exploring in Exodus chapter 12. And here it lists God's instructions to his people through Moses, who is leading them at the time. And it's important that we go back and trace the history so we understand what's going on. Last time we got together and talked, we talked about Abram and the the massive promises that God had given to Abram, or we may know him better as Abraham. God had said to him, 
you're going to take this land, the land of Canaan, which is modern-day Israel and Palestine. God said, I'm going to make you into a great people. I'm going to make your name great. You're, you're going to be a, a great nation of people. And through you and your family, all peoples on earth will be blessed. Abram wandered around in the land of Canaan for many years, but never really settled there. He never really took possession of it. His grandson, Jacob, had 12 sons, one of whom was Joseph, and Joseph was the favorite. And because of that favoritism and also because of Joseph's own pride, he had some issues and some conflict with his brothers. Landed him in some hot water with his brothers. It also landed him as a slave in Egypt. Landed him in prison. And yet God worked through all of that, those, that situation, that scenario. God worked through all of it so that Joseph actually became second in command over all of Egypt. And he saved the Egyptian people when a severe famine struck that area of the world. And he also saved his own family. And so his family, Jacob and all his brothers, Jacob who is also known as Israel, they moved down to Egypt, they settled there, they were given land, and over the course of 400 years, they grew into a nation of people. And that terrified the pharaohs. And so the pharaohs that served 400 years after Joseph, they enslaved the Hebrews, God's people, they subjected them to hard, forced labor in an effort to subdue and control them. And that's when God called Moses. Moses, who had grown up in the Egyptian palace, but he was a Hebrew, and God called him to lead his people, to lead them out of Egypt. But Pharaoh wasn't having anything of it. Nine deadly, devastating plagues still didn't convince Pharaoh that God was in control. Those nine devastating and deadly plagues that demonstrated God's dynamic power over everything upon which the Egyptians relied, and still Pharaoh refused. And so God sent his tenth and his final plague. The most devastating and deadly of them all because in this plague, human life would be directly taken. The firstborn from every family in Egypt would die. And Pharaoh would finally be brought to his knees and forced to admit that he was powerless before God Almighty. Now, some people might say there that God is, is pretty harsh. It's ruthless. It's violent. Murder. 
Do you know what's interesting about the 10th plague? Is the 10th plague didn't just come against the Egyptians. It also came against God's own people. In several of the other plagues, we are specifically told how God's people, the Hebrews, they were spared. The region where they lived protected, unaffected by the plagues that God sent, but not with the tenth plague. No, the destroyer, when the destroyer would pass over all of Egypt, it would also pass over the place where God's people lived. Death would also come to their households. But God provided a remedy for the calamity. The Passover meal and the Passover lamb. And so we're going to talk about that Passover lamb. You have the instructions that God gives in Exodus chapter 12, this remedy that's described. He says, tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. And then there were specific instructions that were given about this lamb. God said, the animals you choose must be one-year-old males without defect. The lamb needed to be perfect, spotless, pure, and then this lamb would become a common part of life for four days. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month. And you can imagine children playing with the lamb. Maybe they'd even give it a name. Even in just a short, brief time, four days... It's easy to latch on to an animal, and it became part of the family. And then that lamb's life was taken. On the evening of the 14th day of the month, all the members of, commu of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Its life was cut short, the lamb's blood was spilled, and the entire family needed to be aware of this because... That blood was significant. That blood, once shed, would be painted onto the door frames of their homes. And it was a sign that life had been given up in that home. God said, then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and the tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. And then they would eat this meal, and they would eat it in a very strange way, not merely because of the interesting things that they would eat during the meal, but because of how they would eat it. They would eat it quickly. They would eat it in haste. They would eat it ready to leave at a moment's notice. God said it this way, This is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. I wonder if God's people questioned 
these instructions. As they thought about that lamb, it, did they think that it was a, a very interesting and, and a crazy ritual and ha- had an interesting form that they were going to go through all these steps, but did the substance, was there any power in the substance? Could it, could it actually do anything to save them? But God had a purpose for every single detail. God had a purpose for this experience that they would have, that every member in the family would have. And this is how God then described that purpose. He said, the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. They needed this blood to cover over their household, to cover over each one of them because they were sinful. The Egyptians were not alone in their distant relationship to God. All of us would be distant from God. All of us have the capacity to ignore his supremacy at times. All of us, we find our own idols and our own gods to worship and and bow down to and give glory to instead of the one true God. God's people were no different. And their sin deserved death as well. God instructed them through this Passover that on their own they were objects of his wrath. But they were also not alone. God was with them. And God, in his mercy, gave them this ritual, this ceremony that they would go through, this meal, this Passover lamb. And that lamb would be a substitute in place of the firstborn in their family. The lamb took that firstborn's place to die for them. And the blood was a sign. It was both a sign to the people that their sin had been covered over by that blood, and it was also a sign to God that a life had been given. That death did not need to touch that home because it already had. As you think about this Passover lamb, it is spectacular and interesting history. But if we only see it as history, then we grossly miss the point. We need to see Jesus. God has given you a powerful remedy for a ruinous problem. Sin remains a problem, and so we need a remedy. We need a remedy for more than smelly feet, or bad breath, or itchy legs, or warts. 
We need a remedy for the disgusting mark of sin that it leaves on our souls. We need a remedy and a solution for the consequence that sin brings into our lives. You know, sometimes we just think that sin is this, this bad habit that we just kind of have to deal with in our life. It's just there. But it's far worse than that. Sin brings death. And it brings death to all. It doesn't matter how wealthy you are, how powerful your earthly success is, no one escapes death. It's a catastrophic problem. And we need a solution. Our own homegrown remedies, they don't work. And sure, you can work harder in your life and, and you can try to be better. You can be the very best version of yourself. And you can engage in all kinds of philanthropy and, and generosity and kindness and love shown to all kinds of people. But deep down there remains a problem. Deep down there's still sin in your heart and sin in your life. And you might be able to compare yourself to others and, and look at yourself in a positive light, but, but that problem, it still exists. And what you're really trying to do is just make the most of the time that you have with little hope for anything bigger or greater than that. You need a remedy for death. You need a lamb. You need a sacrifice. You need a substitute. And Jesus is what you need. Jesus is your Passover lamb. He's a sacrifice that was slaughtered at twilight for the entire household of humanity. It was his blood that was shed, and as his blood was shed on those timbers of the cross of Calvary, those timbers became the doorway through which you enter into eternal life, into your heavenly home with God Almighty. His blood spilled as Jesus was at that tree, at that cross, is the blood that sets you free from everything that would enslave you. It sets you free from your bondage to sin and death. His blood is the remedy. The cross is the sign. And it's a sign both to you that your sins have been covered and it's a sign to God that a life has been given for you. Jesus is the remedy. Jesus is the sacrifice. He is the substitute. And maybe it seems strange. It seems strange that you would be healed, that you would be forgiven, that you would be set free, that you would have life because of Jesus' death. And this is a powerful, miraculous remedy. And God calls us to believe it, to trust in it. That's why Jesus did and said what he did on the night before he died. 
to show us that he is that Passover lamb, to show us that he is the substitute and the sacrifice for us. God had instructed his people to commemorate this meal, this Passover lamb, every single year. And so that's what Jesus and his closest friends were doing. And as they commemorated that meal, Luke records for us what Jesus said in the 22nd chapter of his biography. When he says, Then came the day of the unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. And it's not a coincidence that Jesus' suffering and death took place at the time of Passover. This is God's reminder for you. Jesus took that unleavened bread and he said, This is my body given for you. He took the wine and he said, This is my blood. This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. His body, his blood, and bread and wine are now the remedy that brings life and salvation for us. Does it seem strange, mysterious, unbelievable? God's word delivers truth. God's word delivers this incredible remedy. And when God gave that remedy to his Old Testament people, the Passover, he called them to trust in his word. And today we're also celebrating the, the reformation of the church. We're, we're celebrating how God worked through human beings to restore truth, and especially through Martin Luther. One of the most important tenets of the Reformation was to take God at his word. To trust what he says. That when Jesus says, this is my body, it is. When Jesus says, this is my blood, it is. When Jesus says, you are forgiven, you are. This is the body and blood of our Passover lamb sacrificed once and for all for the sins of the whole world. For you, for me, that we may be free, that we may have life in Jesus' name. What a remedy. We can't offer anything on our own. Our, our home concocted remedies, they would all fall short. But we have a God who loves his people for millennia and gave them a remedy. We have a God who has been around since eternity. I think he knows a little something about life. And he has given us this incredible remedy, Jesus, your Passover lamb. Amen? Amen. Amen.